Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, so I want you to jump into the word with me. We're going to attack this. I'm going to see what I can accomplish today. Can I get a hallelujah? I really want to prophesy to the nation. I'm going to prophesy while I'm preaching. I'm just going to speak some stuff. And I'm going to speak some stuff to you and speak to the, the heart of, of people of faith in this nation. Because I believe it's time for an incredible move of God in the nation of Canada. How many would like to see that? How many would like to see the glory of God just cover this nation all over the place? Where you've got to leave town to get sick, because there's no sickness in London. It's just the blessing of God, thick, heavy, rich, and wonderful. Amen? I'm telling you, it's time, it's time, it's time. Listen, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. When I was thinking about today, I said, wow, it's Canada Day on Sunday. And I was like, Lord, where are we going? What are we doing? And he spoke right into my ear. He said, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And then I thought, I believe I know where that is. I think there's a scripture about that. And so he took me here and I started to meditate on these chapters and verses again. And I just feel so strongly that there is a sound. There is a sound right now. There's a sound. And I want you to have ears to hear that there's a sound right now of the abundance of rain. And God has a massive passion to reach and minister in and through, not just to this nation, but in and through this nation. Let me start by just refreshing your memories. I think some of you heard of a fellow named uh, uh, Dr. Yungi Cho. Uh, sometimes it's been Paul Yungi Cho. He's changed his first name a few times, but it is Dr. Cho. Dr. Cho pastors probably the largest church in the world still, I believe, in, uh, in Seoul, South Korea. Massive church. But uh, uh, Pastor Cho came and he uh, ministered here in Canada. And this was back in... Uh, in 1975 in the 70s so this is when he was traveling and ministering here in Canada but you'll see the first part of the word right here will pop it up on the screen uh, there it is but that's the end of it but let me give you uh, just a reading of some of the events that surrounded it he came in he said I was in Sackville Nova Scotia at a church growth seminar he said and he was there speaking uh, to this church growth seminar in Sackville and suddenly he began to reiterate a prophecy that the Lord had given to him in Evangel Tabernacle in Kelowna BC in 1975 and he added to it. And he said, five years ago, I visited Canada and I traveled to Montreal and to Vancouver by car. Wow. He said, I was preaching from town to town. And while I was speaking, I felt somewhat depressed. The Canadian church seemed so small. But wherever I went, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart that God was going to raise up tremendous churches in Canada and that Canada would be used as a missionary sending country and that Canada would open the way for Jesus Christ to return to the earth. So some of you have heard that word before. I think if, if you've been around for a while, you may have heard that. But if you're new, this is what he prophesied back in 1975. Now here's somebody who's got a church well over a million people who God's used in powerful ways in the body of Christ. And here he is traveling across this nation. And he's thinking, wow, how can God use this nation? It's, the churches are so small. So how can God use this? I guess anything seems small when you're preaching to a million. You know what I mean? 
So, pretty amazing stuff. So he said, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to his heart. He said, I was afraid to confess that, but when I was praying, the Spirit of the Lord would impress on my heart to say it. And I was afraid because I thought maybe it's because I'm close to America. Maybe America is where the word belongs. And and maybe America, it's just because I'm close to there. I'm feeling the call of that nation. But he said, because they're greater than Canada. He said, if ever God would use a country, he thought it must be America, not Canada. But again, but again, but again. But again, the Lord spoke to him, and he said to his heart, he said he was going to use Canada. So finally in Toronto, I prophesied as the Holy Spirit anointed me. And I really believe that God is going to bless Canada and the Canadian churches. They're going to rise up, and once again, they're going to go to the four corners of the world. That's for you flat earth society people, the four corners of the world. thought I'd throw that in. For the four corners of the world, he's going to go everywhere in the world. God is going to send people and he's going to bless the world through Canada. He's going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and pave the way for the second coming. So I'm kind of always think about that kind of stuff when I think about the fact that I'm a Canadian. And I love the fact that I'm a Canadian. And when I travel, it's always very interesting to travel with a Canadian passport. Because sometimes people will look at you and they don't know if you're from the UK or maybe you're from America. But you know, when they open it up and they see Canada or they see the flag on the front when I pass it to them, it's like their eyes brighten up and they look. I don't know what it is, but God is already providing a way that Canada has favor in the world. And people feel that. They believe that. They like to be near Canadians. They like to hang out with Canadians. They like to travel with a, a knapsack or something or a bag that has a Canadian flag on it or a, or a, a maple leaf on it. Because it's amazing how many people are open and smile about it and attracted to it. And I think that's the favor of God on this nation for these days and for this purpose. So that's what I think. Psalm 72, verse 8, it's right there on the tower, on the tower right there. And I mean, it was specifically put because of a, a prophetic word received by our early forefathers. I mean, they put it on the tower on purpose. And the word that's there on the tower, on the peace tower, is Psalm 72, 8. And peace is not an absence of conflict. It's the presence of justice. It's the presence of the power of God and the presence of God to eradicate anything that opposes God. He's going to bring peace, his peace and his justice. He said, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so I believe that's a prophetic word over our nation, that there's going to be dominion from sea to sea. There's going to be the reign and the rule, the peace of God, the throne, the demonstration of his kingly reign is going to be fully manifest throughout this land. And then with that, there's going to come a people that are filled with a passion for the nations, and we're going to take a glorious good news gospel to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I believe we're the only nation that actually has like a red flag, uh, a red uh, leaf on our flag. And, you know, in Revelation it says the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And I believe there's something significant for our nation. So say, praise God for Canada. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us in this glorious time. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith in the word of God. We walk by faith in the revelation from heaven. It's like that woman who Elijah spoke to and he said, You know, the word of the Lord to you is, it will not fail. The oil and the flour, it will not fail. Bake me a cake first. That word, she didn't see that word manifest. She did what he asked for first, and then she saw. The word preceded the evidence of the miracle. 
You see, now in the natural realm, the speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. If you're at a baseball game, you'll see a guy swing, and you'll see the ball fly off his bat, and then a little later, crack. If you get the seats I do, you hear it a lot later, because I'm not that close to the action. But, you know, you'll hear the crack later, right? If you suddenly you see, you see a, a lightning out in the distance, and then it goes... And also, you hear the thunder, you hear the crack, you hear something that follows. But, you know, often you'll see the lightning well before you hear the sound. And it's like that in everything in nature. Because, and it, it's absolutely a rule of nature, because the speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. That's just the way it is. So, in the natural realm, you see things before you hear them. But in the spirit, and then what's weird is I think we're conditioned for that. And that's why the Bible has to tell us you walk by faith and not by sight. Because naturally we're so accustomed to when I see it, I'll acknowledge it. When I see it, I'm going to hear the revelation of it. But you see, in the spirit, you got to believe the word of God before you see the manifestation. So in the spirit, it's absolutely turned on its head. In the spirit, it's always the word of God before there's revelation. So the word of God comes, God said, let there be light, and there was light. But the voice of God, the, the word of God, always precedes the manifestation, and it's everywhere in the word of God, and you can find it everywhere you look in the word of God, that it says it is spoken and that it is seen. So you've got to get so used to, in the spirit, embracing the spoken word of God, even if you don't see any expression of it, you've got to believe that if he said it, it's a finished work. And if Yonggi Cho was inspired by the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Ghost, inspired by our Heavenly Father to declare that over our nation, if he said it, it's done. I mean, is, is it done when we see it or is it done when he said it? When he said it, it is a complete thing. But for the manifestation of what he said, everything necessary for it to come into manifestation has been expressed, but it's going to take a people who walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was good. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall it be with my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. It will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, he sends it, but when does it manifest? The word of God doesn't manifest when he sends it. The word of God manifests when we agree with it. So the word of God manifests when we agree. That's why it says it shall not return to me. See, he sent it, but then there's a return. Say return. return. Say send. send. Return. return. But it says it manifests on the return trip. These are just regular spiritual principles. That you know what? When God says it, it's absolutely true. But for it to come into expression, you've got to partner with the return journey. And you've got to engage in that. See, if you say, well, if I see it, I'll believe it. You'll never walk in the realm of faith. Because faith is always in the unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things you haven't seen. And some translations say, yet. So faith is that vehicle that brings in the manifestation of the word of God in your life, in your world, in our nation, in our province, in our country, in the body of Christ. Faith is what we have to manifest to bring these things to pass. Which takes me all the way to this word. You ready? It says in 1 Kings chapter 18, 41, 19, 3. It says this. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink. There is the sound of abundance of rain. Now Bill got excited right there. Not many other people. There is the sound of abundance of rain. I mean, it's rumbling in your spirit. 
There's something going on. When I was here Wednesday night and all these people were excited about a Saturday night service, I heard an eruption. I heard things. We don't even have a Saturday night service yet, but the excitement for it was already there. The vision for it was already there. The desire to see it come into expression and what it's going to prosper and what it's going to do was exploding in people's hearts. I had emails after that from people who've been in the church for a long time here. They're going, I've actually never been in a meeting like that with that much hope, that much purpose, and that much expectancy and belief. And I said, me neither. I was a little, I was a little scared. Because I said, my God, I hope God, I hope you can do what these people are believing for. It's like, wow. But I said, usually we build up to that kind of expectation. But it was there right off the get-go. I was like, yes. I tell you, folks, for this fellowship, for us, for the city, it's time. There is the sound. There is right now. There is the sound. It's time. In the, in the clock of God, every single thing in the clock of God is now. It's now. What time is it? It's now. What time is it for whatever's going on in your life? What time is it? Now. What time is it for the promise of God over your life? It's now. Because now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So he said, listen, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. There was nothing going on. There was no rain. There was just blue sky. That's all there was. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. He said, go on, go eat and drink, because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And Elijah then, he decided, thank God, that's over with, and he went on his way. No, it says, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. He began to pray. He said, all right, Lord, I hear the rumble in my spirit. I agree with it. I'm lifting it back to you now. I'm pushing back to you. It's time for rain. It's time for rain. I hear it in my belly. I'm lifting it up to you. Then he turns to his sermon. He says, go up and see what's going on. So he's like. What did you see? And here's what he said. Here's the amazing thing. He said, there is nothing. Wow, God told me to do that, and there's nothing. There is nothing. He bowed to the ground, said, go look, and he came back, and he said, there is nothing. Just say that with me. There is nothing. Mm, wasn't that uplifting? Seven times he said, go again. Seven times he went. Seven times, and he came back. There is nothing. Came back. There is nothing. Came back. There is nothing. But the seventh time, the seventh time. But on the seventh time, who's persevered for the seventh time? On the seventh time, when it got to the seventh time, he said, he came back and he said, well, it's not much. I mean, there is a cloud. But don't get too excited because it's as small as a man's hand. And it's rising out of the sea. It's not much. Blue sky, but... How did you even discern it? There's a cloud the size of a man's hand coming out of the sea. How did you even see that? I don't know. Are you making that up? Or There's a cloud the size of a man's hand, and it's coming out of the sea. Then it came to pass the seventh time he said it's a cloud. Verse 45, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black. First, oh sorry, he went down and said to Ahab, prepare your chariot. He says, you better get out of here fast because the rain is going to stop you. Your chariot wheels are going to get stuck in the mud. So you better get the move on because the rain is coming. And what do we got? What do we got? We got a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, hook up your chariot. So he went. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Say heavy rain. 
heavy rain, so that Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran, and he beat Ahab and his chariot. He ran before him 17 miles. He ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. A supernatural jaunt right there. He ran under the power of the Holy Ghost. Here it is. This is so good, right? Praise God, I tell you. I said there'd be no rain. I confronted all the prophets of Baal, killed all the prophets. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And killed all those people. And then, you know, the fire of God comes. It's so good. And then I'm calling down rain. Look at the rain. This is so good. Praise God. I'm a man of God. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And so he said he'd executed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me what you did to them. And more so, if I don't take your life. Take your life from you by the time tomorrow has come. And when he said, when she said that, when he saw that, when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to unpack a little bit of this and then we're going to pray and shout and declare some things. Is that all right? All right, you ready? You're going to get a breakthrough today in your own personal experience too. Not only is this a breakthrough for Canada, but it's a breakthrough for you personally. God's going to do something in your heart and in your life. He's going to break limitations and barriers. But let's go to the background just a little bit, all right? So if you go to 1 Kings chapter 16, you'll see what was going on. You'll see it was during the reign of Hiel... Uh, that a man from Bethel rebuilt Jericho and when he laid his foundations it cost him his life. So this is given the background of what was going on. This was a time of, of Jezebel. This was a time they restored Jericho. This was a time where the sins of Jeroboam were involved. You can go research that for yourself. But what they did was they rebuilt Jericho. And Jericho itself was told that it is to be left barren, never to be rebuilt again. And if you go study Joshua chapter 2, you'll see that anybody who rebuilds Jericho, you're going to experience death and you're going to experience a curse. You're you're going to experience that your lineage will not be carried on. And his sons died after this guy rebuilt Jericho. Harsh stuff, right? But you see, rebuilding Jericho, there's something engaged in that. And what rebuilding Jericho manifests is that we're going to substitute the flesh for grace. And you see, if we rebuild Jericho, that's what we're doing. We're saying that we're going to trust that we, we need to rebuild structures. We need to build things with our flesh. We need to establish things with our efforts and our works. And we need to establish things that we can see, touch, and feel. And we want to put our dependence on ourselves and our ability and our skill. And we're going to separate us from the gracious gift of God. And that's what building Jericho means. It means a people had turned away from God and they decided that we're going to live out of our own experience. We're going to believe in ourselves and what we can accomplish. We're not going to trust in the grace of God and only what he can do and bring into manifestation of the gift of God in our lives. They say we're going to take things in our own hands. And that happens a lot in the church today. And that's why there's a great manifestation and a great revival today on grace. Say grace. Grace is not a byword. Grace is not even an old word. It is. But there's a, a light, a spotlight on grace, on the gospel of grace today. Because the church needs to get back to the place where we believe that nothing will happen except through the wonderful benefactor, the wonderful gift of God. That's going to be what brings into manifestation what God wants to do. And we've got to do that. So Jericho's destruction was to be a perpetual reminder. The promise is received from God's hand. And it's the gift of grace. We always receive it from his hand. But there's people who, who say, yeah, I receive it from God's hand, but after I do this and this and this. 
I do receive it from God's hand, but I receive it because I earned it. I receive it because, you know, I've checked the boxes, I've done the stuff. That's not what God wants. God wanted them when they came in the land to realize that you're going to experience this goodness because I'm a good God and I'm going to do it. And you're going to trust me to perform this in your life. Everything that comes from me is the gift of God, the grace of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's by faith alone. And see, grace has to be reestablished in the nation, reestablished in the body of Christ, reestablished because we got our heads just, just dumbed down. We got baptized in a, in a philosophy and in teachings on works and the five steps to the 22 ways to the 32 things. And then when we don't get it, we say, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess God doesn't love me enough. You're not going to get it because the only way you get it is through faith. And the church has got to get back to God is good. And God does it for everyone the same way. It's because God is good, not because you're good enough, but because He's good enough. And the church is dumbed down on works religion, and that's why a lot of people out there, they don't know what to do today, because all they know is whenever I come around you people, I'm an utter failure, and I can't do the stuff right. But you know, God is good, and He's done all the stuff. It's not do, do, do anymore. It's done, it's done, it's done. And it's very important, oh Canada, please, Canada, pay attention. It's time for a revelation of the grace of God. And don't let work subtly creep in. The mixture is intolerable to God. With God, the mixture is worse than utter unbelief. Because he hates the mixture because there's just that little scent of maybe truth. And it deceives many and distracts them and takes them away. The mixture is an abomination to God. And be sensitive. Are you ever mixing works with the gospel of grace? If you are, it is not going to bear fruit. And it's going to produce something that's other than God-like. And you're gonna, you might get results, but it's the results of manly striving and flesh. It's not going to be. The grace of God. But he wants to do something big. Did I, did I get a little excited there? First mm. Kings chapter 17 verse 1. Now Elijah the Tisbite. Here it is. Here's a guy like I said at offering. This guy came out of nowhere. Nobody knew him. I don't even know how he got to the king. I wonder if it was a supernatural journey where the guards didn't even see him. If you just, you know, they got guards. You got tons of guards around the king. And I mean, suddenly he's there standing in front of the king. Hey, oh king, it's me, Elijah the Tishbite from nowhere. I'm a nobody, but I tell you where I just came from. You know where I came from? I came from the presence of God. I came from the presence of God. And God gave me a word. And he said, it's not going to rain again except at my word. Wow, that's pretty bold stuff right there. So this is the guy. He goes and does this. So sure enough, boom, he leaves there and he goes by the brook Kareth. So sends him to the brook Kareth. So that's uh, 1 Kings 17, 2-7. He said, hide yourself there. By the way. And they were looking for him. I mean, when it didn't rain, and after a while you're going, ah, that's, you know, it's a dry season. It's not going to rain. But then after six months, man, it's still not raining. After a while they're going, where is that guy? We got to find that guy. Because if he says it's not going to rain except in his word, we got to get him, put a sword to his throat and speak, you dummy, right now. But they were looking for him, but he said, hide yourself. He said, go and turn and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, east of Jordan. You shall drink of the brook and you shall I'll have com commanded the ravens to feed you. He went there and he dwelt there. Say, dwelt there. Dwelt there means to fix, your, fix yourself and establish yourself. And if we're going to be a people of God that, that, that bring about that word, the abundance of rain, then we got to be a people who know what it is to dwell in covenant. You got to learn covenant. You know what? This is the promise of God. It's the covenant of God. And it's God himself. It's covenant why these things happen. We are a people who God has promised these things. And here's the thing about covenant. In the new covenant, God covered both sides of the equation. 
Do you understand? See, if you make a covenant with somebody, there's things he has to do and things you have to do. But in the new covenant, the things that you have to do and that God has to do, he did both sides. What's necessary necessary for me to embrace this covenant, Lord? Just believe. You got to get established in that, baptized in that, that he covered both ends. Well, what do I do? Only believe. But you see, we got teachings and doctors only believe and, 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 and. And that's where it says, by your traditions, you have emptied the gospel of its power. And we add our structures and our systems. And and there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof is death. You got to get established in covenant. Who took care of both sides of the covenant? God did. He cut the covenant with himself, in himself. He covered every bit of it, everything necessary for you to fulfill. It was done in Christ Jesus. It is finished. Just say, thank you, Jesus. And you've got to establish yourself in covenant, just like Elijah did. So get down. Verse 17, chapter 2 to 7, right there. God's going to prove himself. He's going to do that. Then you go to Zarephath. Go ahead. Go to Zarephath. You can go. You can go. Go ahead. Arise and go to Zarephath. Zarephath. Now, Zarephath means to refine, to smelt, to refine, a refinery, a place of testing and to prove if it's true. So here's what happens. God says, let's see if you got covenant really, really down. Let's see if you really understand that I am who I say I am in your life and your experience. So how many you know it's really easy to serve God on your own? Woo! It's really God for me to be kind to myself. It's really great for me to love me. It's really great for me to, you know, excuse myself and and bear with my own self. But bearing with other people, oh my God. So what God does, before you're going to be someone who says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, before you're going to call fire down from heaven, you've got to establish yourself in covenant. And then the next thing is, you've got to test and prove that because you've got to work it out in relationship. Say relationship. And it's so good because... God put him in a situation that was difficult. Say difficult. Man, put me in easy relationships, Lord. But you got a widow who her, her whole thing is, I got no provision. I got nothing. I'm going to bake a cake and die. Well, hold tight there, sister. I mean, Lord, there's got to be another widow. No, this is it. And he says, you're going to, through this relationship, you're going to, where there seems to be the scent of death, I'm going to bring life. But you're going to do it by partnering with her in community. And so you're going to work in that community and you're going to bring about that. So go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Dwell there. Say dwell. Don't hang out there. Don't drop in for a cheeseburger. Dwell there. Set yourself there. Establish yourself there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So your private life gets worked out in public. Your private life gets worked out in relationships. Say relationships. Thank God that I only have to hang out with two or three of you because a lot of you really annoy me. So, but the three I hang out with, I'm pretty okay with. You know, God puts us in this context, church. How many know we don't all think the same? How many know we got a bunch of different opinions? How many know some of us got dropped in our head when we were kids? Some really did, didn't affect them, but they really got dropped in their head. My brother fell out of a convertible car, boom, right in his head, but he's more or less okay. But you know, you got to work all, nothing is real. Nothing you believe is real if you can't work it out in community. 
And you got to have that figured out. So Zarephath's where you get all that stuff figured out. And he took him there. All right, say thank you, Pastor. I can trust God for myself, but can I do it with others? All right, so testing. And then, then you're in a relationship where she's mad at you because her son dies. And then you got to raise the dead. You're in a place where you got to partner for the miraculous. All right, so we're ready to be rainmakers. You ready? First Kings 18, 1 and 17. He says, now it's time. Go send yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. Are you kidding me? Ahab's looking for me. He wants to kill me. Are you serious? You want me to go? Can't I just call the rain over here? Can't I just call forth the miracle over here? I got to go and I got to do it with Ahab. Like, I mean, this is crazy stuff. But sure enough, he went. He presented himself to Ahab. And then Ahab said to him when he saw him, he said, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I mean, he wasn't the troubler of Israel. He might have called forth the word of God. He might have focused the people that, you know what, God's your source and you better get something straightened out. I mean, but Ahab says, you're the troubler. But how many are willing to trouble some things? How many are willing to stand against the status quo? How many are willing to say, you know what, whatever it takes to see change, I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to do it. I want to trouble the situation because I want to see things turned right side up. Who wants to pick a fight? came out of nowhere, a nobody, and God refined him into somebody to be a rainmaker. All right, 1 Kings 18, 21. 21. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So here he is, he says to Ahab, gather everybody, come on to Mount Carmel, you bring all the prophets of Baal, and let's have this out once and for all. He gets everybody there, they're all standing around, and Elijah says, look folks, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? Not a word. Why do you think there was not a word? Because they don't know what to do. They don't have a clue. What's going on out in Canada today? What's happening in the streets? We got to get out there and tell people that they're sinners. We got to get out there and we got to start preaching against all the nasty things people do. We got to expose the ugliness in our culture. You're all sinners. You're terrible. And it's because of your sin that this nation isn't blessed. That's rubbish. Jesus died to take away the sins of the whole world. Our message isn't your sinners. Our message is, 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 you are forgiven. The problem is the dirty people out there, the nasty people out there. I love that video last week. You smell like sin. I love that. We had a little party in our pool there the other night and George was kind of funny. He was mad at somebody on the other team. He went, you smell like sin. I tell you, I just about drowned in my own laughter right there. It was really funny. But but that's what the church is doing. The church keeps on thinking our responsibility is to point our finger at all the nasty people out there and protest all the nasty things the world is doing. You know, that's not the problem. Jesus dealt with that. The message is you're forgiven. See, people don't know what to do today. They they don't know what to do because they've really never heard that God is good and that God loves them. So here they are. I mean, he says, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? They're straight up going, I don't know. I have no idea. And the people out there don't have a clue. In fact, most people have never been to church. We live in an unchurched culture. They don't have any idea of who Jesus is or even what's going on. 
So here he is. He's got these people should have known God, but they didn't know what to say. So he said, I'll tell you what. You guys set up some altars and you call on Baal. I'll set up an altar and I'll call on God. And the one who answers by fire, he's God. Does that work for a minute? Good idea. You know what? If, if whoever God is wants to show up, we'll follow him. So great idea. So Elijah, he lets those guys go first and they chop up some sacrifices and they dance around. And they cut themselves, scream and shout. And it's great because Elijah's saying, saying, shout louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's sleeping. And then he said, shout louder. Maybe he's in the toilet. He really did. He said, maybe he's relieving himself and he's, he's having a movement and he can't hear you. I think that's kind of funny. You don't think that's funny? I think that's funny. Come on, that's funny. I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, here we are. I mean, Elijah calling on God, the prophet man of God. He says, maybe your gods are in the toilet. Oh, he's mocking these guys. You know? They're cutting themselves. Ah, nothing going on. Elijah says, all right, my turn. Get some water. Water? Are you kidding? It's a time of drought. Nobody's got water. If we do, it's really costly. Get water. Get all kinds of water. Drench the sacrifice. Drench it again. Drench it again. He soaks the sacrifice. There's water everywhere. You know what I love about that? Take the very thing that you need and give it away because you believe God's going to give you more than enough. Take the very thing that is precious. Give it away because you believe what he promised you. He's going to bring it into manifestation in a greater way than you could ever imagine. I only got 10 bucks left in my name. Then give it to God because he can turn it into something powerful. No, I gotta hang on. I gotta. I gave Queen Elizabeth a new perm. How long will you falter between two opinions? So he says, "We don't know." So Bing, he calls down the fire, and that's all going on. So they call down the fire. The fire falls from heaven. Boom! And then we get to verse forty-one. Verse forty-one. After the fire falls, that's where he says, "I hear the sound of the abundance of rain." So here he says that my word, we're going to have rain. It's going to rain now. I hear the sound of it. It's going to come. I'm going to call forth rain. So then what does he do? He goes up the mountain and begins to pray. And he sticks his head between his knees. He begins to pray and he tells the servant, okay, I'm praying. I don't even want to look. Just get out there and go see what's going on. So he goes up, comes back. There's nothing. Say, there's nothing. I want to tell you that if you're going to call forth rain and what you hear, if you want it to be in manifestation, there are obstacles. There's not obstacles because God doesn't want to do it. There's obstacles in us. There's things in us. There's, there's an enemy. There's circumstance. There's all kinds of stuff. But first of all, the first thing we often hear when we step out in faith is we, there's going to be the sound of the abundance of rain. Lord, send rain. We call forth rain. Call forth rain. Go see if there's any rain. What would you see? Nothing. Okay, go again. Go again. Okay, what would you see? Nothing. Okay, go again. I've already I put my faith out there. I've declared it. You got a specific disease and there's nothing we can do for you. Nothing? Nothing. Pastor, my children, I've been praying for them, praying for them, and they just seem to not desire God. Their passion for God is gone. I don't know what's going on in their hearts and lives. They just seem to be bound and bent to, to have nothing to do with God. God. I've been praying, I've been praying, and there's nothing. There's no evidence that these kids want to turn to God. My marriage has been messed up. It's been failing for a long time. I don't know what's going on. And I, I'm concerned and I've been praying. We've tried this, we've tried that, and there's nothing. There's no evidence that this thing is going to make it. You know, sometimes when you want breakthrough in your life, the first thing that you experience is for, you just start to try. And sometimes I think we just start to turn towards it. And we think there should be this great, big, glorious manifestation right away. But what do you do when there's nothing? How are you? Are you okay? 
you might be in that place right now. You might be in the nothing place. Like, man, I did this. Pastor, I did it three times. Like three times we've tried. I've been to three different specialists. I've been, I've been everywhere. I've been looking here, looking there. And everybody keeps on saying, there is nothing. We've been trying to have children. There's nothing. I've been trying to get a job in my field. There's nothing. Anybody been in the there's nothing place? Well, what's amazing about this is that he did it seven times. And he did it seven times. Remember Naaman? Naaman, go dip in the Jordan. Dip in the Jordan. Well, the Jordan, I got a skin disease, and that's a messy, muddy river. Oh, my goodness. But he got talked into. He went, dipped down, and then all the servants were outside going, I can't believe he's doing this. Uh, nothing yet, master. Nice try. Give her another shot there. <laughs> They're all like, I can't believe he's done. But there was nothing until the seventh time. He came out and it says his skin was like that of an infant, you know. Pretty amazing. But how often we give up on five, on six. We're going to start a Saturday night service and we're going to get in the first meeting and we're going to hope all of the city of London comes in and then we look for how many guests come. There's nothing. I'm not prophesying that, by the way. <laughs> I'm saying there's like people at locked doors waiting to get in, let me in. But you know, what do you do if there is nothing? You know, when, when we came here to London, the church was up on Grosvenor. We had about 20 senior citizens. My youth group was Bill and Paul. Paul was, they were part of the youth group. Bill was younger than I am now. You know, and I thought he was old. But, but now I think he's young. <laughs> it's amazing how much younger people get, the older I get. But, you know, uh, here I was and I'm like, oh my God, there, there's nothing. Like, I'm trying to preach and all they're doing is, your hearing aid is buzzing. What? It's your hearing aid. Whee! Your hearing aid, what? And I'm trying to preach here. And you, know, you know what I said to them? I said that within five years, we are going to have churches that fill southwestern Ontario. In five years, we are going to flood southwestern Ontario with vibrant, living, powerful, supernatural, Holy Ghost-filled churches that will saturate this whole region for the glory of God. In five years, that's going to happen. You know what happened? I was 12 years into my five-year plan, and I said, and I'm 28 years, and, and Lord rebuked me back when I said I'm 15 years into my five-year plan. He told me, Am I not going to bring it to pass? I said, you said it. He said, am I not going to bring it to pass? He says, quit spitting out your frustrations. And he really rebuked me hard. He says, it sounds like unbelief to me. And I said, I'm sorry. But I believe that I do hear in my spirit the sound of the abundance of rain. Is anybody here today? Because, you know, if I was where you were right now, I would be going like, yes, come on, I'm with you 100%. Yeah! Thank you, I appreciate that. that was good. Yeah. Should be a few people running the building right now. Whoa, let's do it! Okay, just quietly sit, please. Let me finish. It's hard when you're in that nothing place. It's hard when you're believing for something and there's nothing. And a lot of people quit right there. Number one, boom. Tried it, there was nothing. But you've got to press through. You've got to press through sometimes when it feels like nothing, feels like nothing. I mean, seven times they're walking around Jericho. And he told them to be quiet, don't talk. Why? Because walking around Jericho, in their heads they're going like, this is crazy. There is nothing happening. We're getting mocked and yelled at. 
We're obeying and honoring the word of the Lord, and we are being mocked and yelled at. Don't say anything. Why? Because they would have said negative stuff to each other. I'm not coming back tomorrow. You come back tomorrow. I'm not. It was crazy. I went to the Saturday night service. <laughs> didn't even have any new guests. Pastor didn't hear from God. We're not doing that again. I tell you, I don't know what he's thinking. Look, look around even now. I mean, it's, it's not a lot of passion in this church. I mean, it's a long weekend, and they all went to the beach. I mean, oh, my God, start another service. I see purple chairs. Hey, I don't know what he's thinking about, but there's nothing. Oh! Oh! Sometimes you just don't listen to other people. Don't, don't pick up the phone. Don't answer your emails because there's nothing. And you got to hang on to that rumble in your spirit. You know, he said it. God said it. God said to me 28 years ago, southwestern Ontario flooded and saturated with a network of churches that are flowing in the glory of God. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Let me go to obstacle number two. Let's move on. It's too small. Too small. <laughs> Size of a man's hand? Are you kidding me? That's, that's all we got? I mean, oh my goodness, you know. Okay, I want you guys to feed all these folks here. There's 5,000 men, there's about 10,000 women, and 50,000 kids. So, you know, let's see what we can do. Feed all these kids. What do you guys got? Now, we got nothing. I got a, we got a kid with a lunch. That's all we got. We got nothing. You got a kid with a lunch. Yeah, but what are we going to do with the kid's lunch? And there's so many times you look and you go, look at us. I mean, who are we? I mean, pastor, you're kind of out over your skis a little bit there. We in this room are going to speak, prophesy to the nation. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I love this church, but he's a funny guy. I mean, this too small won't have an impact on a nation. They had a kid's lunch. And he said, bring it to me. When they took the kid's lunch, they turned it into a buffet for over probably around 25,000 people. And then what did they have? They had 12 baskets full left over. God is a God of way more than enough. Never say it's too small. It says that in Zechariah. It says never despise the day of small things. Because you know what? Everything starts small. I mean, Jesus, when Jesus came, I mean, they're announcing, Behold, the Savior of the world, today is born to you. The Messiah, he's come, the King, the Son of David. Hail, hail, he's born. Woo! They go and they go, it's a kid. They couldn't even find a room. They're in a stable for Pete's sake. I mean, what are they doing? There's, there's nothing going on here. We got some poor people just had a baby. The Savior of the world? Whoa, you're way out over your skis, dude. I mean, come on. God loves to find small people in small places. He's always looking for that because he wants it all to be the glory of God. You know, he's looking at you, and you know, there's nothing too small. There's nothing too hard for God. There's no circumstance. You got, I got dreams, Pastor. But you know, I keep on saying, you know, there's nothing there. There's nothing. I keep on thinking it's going to open up for me, but I keep on hearing there's nothing. There's nothing. And then, you know, when something does open up, you know, it's kind of small. It's too small. I said, and then you're in it, and you, you try to partner with it for a while, and you begin to despise it. Well, this can't be it. It's too small. What we're doing now, it's too small. We're going to start a Saturday night service. Who cares? That's too small. Well, Saturday night service is going to cause openness for the Sunday service. And there's going to be some things that happen when those things begin to synchronize. There's going to become an aggressive multiplication of flow on that that's going to cause incredible multiplication and increase. Hey, how did the service go Saturday night? Did you have any guests? There was nothing. Awesome! <laughs> Can we do that seven weeks in a row? 
You know, I, I remember, I remember, the, I remember the first time when we were, I was preaching at Grosvenor, and all of a sudden we had a family come in with a baby, and I was excited because I was like, "Oh my God, a family, people with children." My daughter and son were the only people, kids in the church. And I'm like, "Oh my God, another baby!" And, and you know, everybody's turning around because the baby was crying. You know, nobody's paying attention to me. It's making the baby crying over there. Everybody looking around. I said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear a sound in the house today. I hear something in the house today. I hear a baby crying. I said, isn't that nice? I haven't heard a baby crying in months. Are you kidding me? You know, I remember celebrating that first family that I had to beg to stay. Because they were just like walking in and going, we're visiting. We were too afraid to get up and leave because we didn't want to make draw attention to ourselves. We thought, let's just sit through it, hope they hurry up, and we can get out of here because there's nothing. And I had to go, please stay. It's going to get better. Please, would you please stay with us? Now I remember when it was nothing. And I was still declaring, southwestern Ontario flooded with the glory of God. And then what then? Global glory. My wife said, settle down. I said, are you kidding me? I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It's too small. All we have is a jar of oil. It's too small. Get every empty pot you can find. Fill your house with empty pots. And then pour. Pour out of this empty jar of oil. I mean, there's only a little of sook in here. There's only a little bit. It's a little. Get every empty pot you can and pour. They filled the room with pots, shut the doors, because they didn't want anybody looking in, because they didn't know what's going to happen. But they started to pour, and every single thing that was empty in the room got overflowing with the anointing. And it didn't stop until they filled every pot. Keep, fill the place with more empty pots. I mean, the, the, the extravagance of God is only limited by your expectation. It's only limited by what you believe He can do. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more. But if you only, imagine if they only gathered three pots. Well, let's get three pots because there's nothing in here and that's embarrassing to get. But they filled the house with pots. They filled it with empty jars and they began to pour. And the anointing flooded and filled the whole thing. Are you having fun yet? All right. There's nothing there. It's too small. Let's go to the next one, just the third one. Now, here's what's always interesting to me is that uh, it says that in 2 Kings it says he arose and he ran for his life. I mean, after he calls down fire and he ran supernaturally ahead of the chariot, he's full of life, full of anointing. He gets there, woo! And then a servant goes, hey, Jezebel sent me to see you. Yeah, what's she want? She's going to kill you. Really? You know, there you are, you call all these things into manifestation. And then, it's like, you know what? I thought by now, I wouldn't have any more opposition. I mean, I thought after I called down the fire and stuff, everybody would get that I'm the guy. And I mean, I don't need any more struggles anymore. I have served enough. I went to Kareth, I went to Zarephath, I've done everything, and now I still got this crazy lady who wants to kill me. I'm not doing it anymore. I mean, wow, all the supernatural stuff just took place. I'd be taking up an offering, but no, I'm running for my life. He arose and ran for his life. Why didn't the opposition stop? This should be easier than this. I've done enough. One more slide. A man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. That's Leonard Ravenhill. He's got a lot of good quotes. But a man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. 
doesn't matter what man may say. When you're intimate with God, who cares about the voices out and about? Because you know that God spoke it. He's promised to do what he said he'd do in my life. I'm not going to be moved from this. Can I get a hallelujah? All right, I got one more slide. I think here it is. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 says, Having done all this, all that the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. Stand, therefore, and hold your ground. What do I do after I've stood? What do I do after I've stood in my place and I've contended for what God wants for you? What do I do when I've stood here? What do I do after standing? You get to stand. After standing, what do I get to do? You get to stand. Because I'm telling you, it says the devil left him for a more opportune time. You know, when he defeated the devil there in the wilderness, the devil didn't say, well, I'm never going to pick a fight with him again. It says he left him for a more opportune time. So we should never be surprised. We should never be going like, man, things are cruising. Things are good at the church, eh? Whoa! I can't believe it! I don't know. I had 28 years of ministry. I've had several of those events in my life where I'm like, I thought we finally broke through. You know what you get for breaking through? You get the Breakthrough again. And you know what you get for breaking through? You get to stand there and contend for the breakthrough that you got. You get to guard that breakthrough and you get to say, I'm not going to be moved away from this. You get to guard the breakthrough and you get to contend for more. You get to pick another fight and you get to pick another fight and you get to pick another fight. Because having done everything to stand, what do you do? You stand there for. What are you standing there for? I'm standing here for what I'm standing here for. Because he said, after having done everything to stand, stand. That's a good word, Pastor. After doing all the hard work to take the ground, you have to do the hard work of holding the ground. I got one more slide. All right, come on, stand up with me. There is a sound of the abundance of rain. Let me try that again. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. So what comes first, sight or sound? In the physical, light comes before sound. But in the spirit, the sound precedes the manifestation. So if I believe, and if you believe, that's regardless. Because I'm, I'm prophesying this to myself today, and I'm speaking to Canada. So you just happen to be watching me talk to myself. But I'll invite you in if you want to. Because... And this, the Lord told me this a couple weeks ago when he said, I said, what's going on with Canada Day? It's Canada Day on Sunday. What should I preach? He said, there's a sound of the abundance of rain. I tell you, as soon as I said there's a sound of the abundance of rain, wowzers. Wowzers. There was something real exciting in my spirit, but what was going on, what I could see, wasn't lining up with what I felt in my belly. And there's times when there's nothing. There's times when there's little. There's times when there's opposition. There's times where you have to stand up and say, let it rain. That's why we made that little sign that I asked George to make, you know, over a week and a half ago. Two weeks ago, we made that little thing because they said, you got to make a let it rain for me. Because I'm going to talk about let it rain on Canada Day. A lot of things made me want to say, let's preach something else. But i got to preach let it rain. Because God spoke this to me 28 years ago. Before, before George was even at the church. Before Desmond and Maisie showed up with this little baby who was screaming then and he's screaming now. Wow. Smells like sin over there. But I never saw any of you people 28 years ago. None of you. 
And then I saw these people in the room on Wednesday night, and I was going, and they were all screaming to me, let it rain. I was like, man, I literally, I said to them, I said right out to all of them, I said, I'm a little bit frightened. Because you people are really jacked up. And you know, most of the people in the room had been here under four years, most under two years. And Tally, I said, how long have you been here, Tally? Tally said, 38 days. But, but when God spoke to me 28 years ago, he saw Talia. He saw, saw George. He, he, he saw Dan and Nicole. He, he saw the Zimmers wandered in to welcome home. I didn't see any of those people, know any of those people. But how many people are still in the harvest? How many people in this city right now are saying, Oh God, I feel in my belly the sound of the abundance of rain. Help me find a company that believes this. There's people who don't know what to do. There's people when you say, serve God or serve Baal. They're like, I don't know. They want to serve God. Is there a people that feel the sound of the abundance of rain? Is there a people that are willing to pay the price of let it rain? Let it rain? Let it rain? Let it rain? So what do I want you to do? And I, I got it up there seven times. Because we got to do it seven times. So you know, it took seven times around Jericho. It took seven times dippy, dippy, dippy. It took seven times going up and praying. But we're going to say it seven times. And I want you to speak and let things, see things break off your own spirit. Every single time you say it, things are going to break off until a real liberty comes to your spirit. Because some of you have dreamed about this, had hopes, and you believe that you heard rain years ago too, and now you're just settling for, ah, just whatever. It's time to break that stuff off of your life. And it's time to command it to rain. I got any faith-filled people in the room? Anybody? Anybody? Are there any? There's any who hear something but you don't see it yet, but you will contend for it no matter what. I'm not going to back up, give up. I'm going to pay up. I'm going to shut up. But I tell you, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to see this come to manifestation. So we're going to say, let it rain seven times. And I want you to scream this like you're screaming it to the nation. That something's going to happen in your personal life, but we're commanding the nation to experience something is going to shift today in the nation. We're going to command it, let it rain. I would like to prophetically ask for something to shift in the nation. Let it rain. We're going to shout it. I want you to do something really kind of strange. You know, lions, when they really want to have real impact with their roars, they shout into the ground, which is kind of weird. But they do it on purpose because when they do that, it causes a bigger rumble and a bigger gushing. So instead of crying out to the... And I don't know if maybe that's what Elijah was doing when he put his head between his legs and he was, you know, screaming into the ground. So I want you to put your head between your knees. No, it's, I, actually, it wouldn't be possible for me, so I wouldn't want you to do that. I would never command you to do something I couldn't do myself. <laughs> so, anyways, just move your face towards the ground if you could. And I want you to shout into the ground, let it rain. All right, I'll, I'll give us a little count after each one so you can, you can know when to do it. And I, I just want you, you might say, this seems silly. I want you to push off the silliness, and I want you to say, Lord, give me a bold spirit to do this right now. I want to get wacky and aggressive. I want to shout at the nation. I want to shout. I want this shout to open wells. I want this shout to open new wells. I want it to open old wells. I want it to be a gusher that brings forth the destiny of our nation. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. One. What are we saying, Pastor? Let it rain. At the floor. At the floor. You ready? One. Two. Three. Let it rain!
How many, how many, that was good. Okay. Just extend it. Do it big and ugly. All right, big and ugly. Ready? Don't be afraid. I tell you, if the person beside you can't hear you, you're timid and you're being in fear, shake it off right now. If you got to just shake yourself, say, I'll shake myself. Come on, I want to change the world right here today. All right, that was one. That was one. Come on. Just listen to your neighbor this time. If they don't do it good enough, I free you to release them and say, be free right now. Be released to yell in the name of Jesus. Because some stuff, it only comes out of you. Shout it out. So we got to shout it out. Amen. You ready? Here's, here's the second one. You ready? One, two, three. All right, that was good. That got, that got a few vocal cords loose, a couple people coughing and choking on their own phlegm. That was awesome. Man. How did you do, George? Was that loud? Good? Were you doing it? All right, I'm going to be watching you this time. Anybody need to exhort their neighbor? Go ahead and do that now. Say, hey, come on. This is serious stuff. This is the destiny of a nation. This isn't silliness. We're not playing games here. God has put in our heart to shift something in the nation today. So third time, you ready? Third time. Bigger. Bigger. I'm watching, I'm watching you. All right. One, two, three. Let it rain! Wowzers. Wow. How many got a little lightheaded even on that one? Ooh, that was good. We're getting there, I'm telling you. That was three. All right, here we go. Number four, you ready? One, two, three. Let it rain! Wow, that was good. I could hear somebody shouting from behind me. Was that you? Wow, that was good. I can play the keyboard and shout. Was that four? Was that four? Okay, let's go to five. Let's go to five. Ready? One, two, three. Let it rain! Oh, that was good. All right, so that was five, right? All right, six. How many feel something shaking off? How many feel just even your own sense of self-consciousness has just got a bit of a breakthrough? Just me. Okay, ready? Number six. We're getting there. Ready? Ready? One, two. Two, three. Let it rain. Okay, here we go. This is it. All right. Woo. All right, hands up in the air. Just lift them up. Come on. Oh God. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I feel the rumble in my spirit, Father, of you shifting. I feel that God is restless and the nations are on his mind. And Lord, if you spoke a word like that over this nation, and if that's really your word, that means the nation's eyes are on Canada to say you get to go first. That's pretty bizarre that the eyes of the Lord are on Canada. There's a burden. The rest of the nations are saying, come on, Canada. I know prophets all over the world that really believe in their spirit that God has said to them that Canada goes first. Canada goes first. And if Canada goes first, the hope of the glory of God filling the earth depends on vessels in this nation believing that the sound of the abundance of rain has to be agreed with. God's got to find a people that agree with the, the sound of heaven and, and, and scream back in the spirit and return that word back and say, let it rain, 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 let it rain. This is the last one. Are you ready? Just do it. Do it like everything's in you. Do it even if you think it's nonsense. Do it. Just do it. And God's going to honor it. You ready? One, two, three. Let it rain! Ah, give yourself applause. Say, yeah. 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 Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. The abundance of rain. The heavy rain. The heavy rain. The heavy rain, the heavy rain, the heavy 
heavy rain, the heavy rain, the heavy rain. Jesus. I just want to do this. Got to do it. But listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you just wandered in Canada Day, went to church somewhere. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. You're, you don't know if you're a part of the family of God. You don't know really about your eternal destiny. You're not sure, but you want to be sure. And you want to know Jesus. You want to walk out of here today knowing that you're a child of God. Listen, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up. At three, just throw your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Are you ready? Just believers praying right now. Praying right now. Praying in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you don't know him, I want you to know him. Listen. One, two, three. Throw your hand up really high. Really, really high. Really high. All the unbelievers went to the beach today. It was too hot. Let it be a summer of crazy invite. Let it be a summer increase. Bring people out Wednesday nights because I'm telling you, testimonies are hard to shake off. People's stories are hard to ignore. People will come to Jesus on Wednesday nights. They really will. Tell them it's air-conditioned and you get a popsicle. It's so awesome. But come on out. We're going to see some great things happen. Let me bless you, all right? Let me bless you. Father, thank you for impact. I love this church. I love these people with all my heart. And I thank you for the, the sound that, Lord, I've been hearing for years. And I'm not disappointed. I'm not frustrated. Because I know it doesn't matter. It says if it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. So my job right now is to tarry. My job right now is to rejoice. My job right now is to be full of gratitude and full of faith. Knowing, Lord God, that your word shall not return void. Knowing that you watch over your word to perform it. So, Father, we are nursing your word. We are carrying your word. We will not be turned aside by any obstacles. I don't care if somebody says there's nothing. I don't care if somebody said it's too small. I don't care how many people want to chase me down and kill me. I don't care. I'm not going to be turned aside from the promise of God in my life. So I insist right now that the rain of heaven floods this whole country. And Father, we thank you for restoration of every good thing. We thank you for healing. We thank you for blessing. We thank you for just prosperity in every single way. We bless you. Lord, I bless this house now, each and every one. I bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I send them forth in this beautiful Canada Day to enjoy each other, to enjoy family and friends, and just experience your blessing. So I command your blessing on them and your great love for them. In Jesus' precious name, amen.